Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Well, what were the results of this benevolence? Well, Peter came along and you could read how that Tabitha died and he then came in there and in a sense he was used of God to bring her back to life again and at the very end it says and it became known throughout all Joppa. Many believed on the Lord. Now I scratched my head when I saw that and so I believe that many people believed on the Lord because a dead woman was brought back to life. But I think it even took more impact because it wasn't just some dead woman who came back to life. I believe that Dorcas was well known for her good deeds. I believe that Dorcas was well known for her love for for the women. And it was this woman who was brought back to life. They all knew this lady. Now, if you will, play a little mind thought with with me for a moment. Who in this world do you know is a woman who's done some really great things? Maybe in your life, maybe for the country, maybe even huge, historically. What woman do you know? Let's say that woman then dies. And that woman now is raised back to life, and it went all through the newspapers. Can you imagine what you'd say? Oh, look, she was dead. Now she's alive. Someone came in there. and Who who did this? The Lord. I think it happens more than if it was just some no-name person. It's just possible. Well, what could I do as a man and you as a woman, for those of you that are ladies, to demonstrate benevolence? I'd like to submit these to you to think about, maybe work on. You do it for the power of You do it for the glory of God by the power of God to do this. So realize that all you have belongs to God. I alluded to that a moment ago, but what you're saying in your heart is before I can give, the reason I can hold loosely to what I have is to know that first of all, all that I have does not belong to me. All that I have and everything that I have has been given to me by the Lord and the Lord has given to me that for a couple of reasons. One, for my basic needs of life, basic needs of life, for those that are in my sphere of influence and responsibility, which would be my immediate family, for their basic needs of life. But God has richly given to us a lot more than that, so that now he says, I've also given this to you, so that you would give to others. People who have a problem with being benevolent are those who think that what they have is me, my, mine, and they don't realize that it's come from the Lord. In fact, most of them forget that if they did give away something, God will give it back to them because God's the one who is the person who gave it to them to start with. So what you have to do is for just a moment, look at your life, look at your tools, men. Look at the things you have in your kitchen, ladies. Look at you who are in the technology, all the things that you have with technology. All that you have has been given to you and me by God for the purpose of giving it to someone else who might really have a legitimate need. Number two, provide a gift that is special to the giver and to the receiver. So in other words, you don't just give it because I don't need it, I don't like it. Now you can do that and you need to sometimes offload the things that we have. But that special act of benevolence is something that is very meaningful to you, but you want to give it to someone else. Many of you have heard the story, so I don't have to go through this whole thing, about the time many years ago... I was swamped in a small boat and we were shipwrecked. Everything in that boat went to the bottom. The only thing that we could salvage was the boat and the motor attached to it. And I'm not so sure that that motor worked again after it was submerged. So we really lost all of our fishing gear. 
I was in college teaching at the time, and I was in my office. Oh, this happened maybe a month or two after that, uh, that problem, that issue, that little problem. The president of the school knocked on my door, which he rarely did. I, in fact, I don't really remember him ever coming to my office. But he knocked on my door, and he said, Hey, Stan, I know all about that that happened that day. But I've got something for you. Do you think you could use this? And behind his back, he held out in front of me a gigantic, seaworthy spinning reel that I could use when I go fishing in deep water. And he said, you know, this was given to me, but I know that you lost yours, and I want to give you something of mine that means something to me that you can have. Do you know, folks, that that spinning wheel that I have, spinning wheel, spinning reel that I have, do you know that that has gone from Florida, North Carolina, it has gone to New York, it's gone to Texas, it's gone to California, it's gone to Georgia, and it's even here in Hawaii today. I still have that. Now, I'm going to tell you that whatever that gift was, to me, it's no longer that spinning reel. It's everything to say that this man knew enough about what I lost, cared enough to give me something that meant something to him, to me. The only problem with that story is really, is that I don't need a spinning reel. I really don't. It wasn't a basic need of life. But what I did need was an example for my life to in turn do it to someone else. Number three, what is benevolence and how can I demonstrate it? Sometimes I have to withhold a gift if it will hurt the life and the attitude of the receiver. If it's going to hurt the life and the attitude of the receiver. Sometimes you will not reward someone that God is disciplining. Sometimes because of their perhaps um, not taking care of what God has given to them, wasting it, laying it around, it's not our job to immediately return a skateboard or a bicycle to someone who wasn't careful taking care of it. And so there are times that we don't give it back to the person when God wants to teach them a little bit greater lesson for the moment. So what you have to do is to ask yourself, will this gift, my act of benevolence, hurt or help the life or the attitude of the one who's receiving this? The next one is to know the proper timing and the amount to give. Now the timing can be, is this a good time to give it to them? Are they recognizing this gift and where it came from and the lesson behind it? Is this good to do this? May I often say this, folks, if you don't mind. When you give a gift to someone else, you might want to know how important it is to give that gift in private rather than giving it publicly where other people can see this person get a gift. Why? Because it embarrasses the, the receiver. Because he knows others didn't get it or he doesn't deserve it. Secondly, you could be judged as showing favoritism again. You also could be looked upon as someone who wants to get the credit because you're a great benevolent person. So you have to think about the timing. And then think about the amount that you... Can they, can they handle that gift? Is it too much that we're giving to them when they're too young? Whatever that gift is, not only has to be money. So think in terms of what we give to our young people and their age and... Is this the right timing? Is this the right amount? Are we indulging the recipient of it or teaching them how to receive with grace? And then finally, we need to prepare our life to be a giver. You know, it's something that from this message, some of you, I'm believing, I pray with all my heart, I truly pray that you need to engage in an attitude of giving and then you will be benevolent. But sometimes you have to prepare your heart for that. 
And how do you prepare your heart for that? And that is you begin to accumulate things. You take care of things. You prepare for those that have a need. So when it's there, you can just give it to that person. So be a person who is sensing the needs of those who are around you. So be prepared and ask God to help you. Well, can there be some dangers in being benevolent? The answer is yes. One danger is you can be a people pleaser. In other words, you're doing it so that you get that person to, so to speak, vote for you or like you or get their approval or get something back from them, you might say. Or are you doing it to really be a helper? Is this going to add value to the other person more than what you get from just giving this? And the other one would be this. It can be manipulative to control people or get something out of them. I gave to you. So now I expect to get something back. It's the people who say, I give you this, but when you can, pay me back. And you know that you can't pay them back, and so now you know essentially you're emotionally indebted to that person nearly for the rest of your life. Do you know how difficult that is? And so you don't want to put the person who's receiving into that game. So when you give, give. If you expect it to be paid back, watch out. Because Scripture does talk about that. When you give with no thought of returning. So we want to think about that. Is it to control people, hold it over their head, control them, get something back from them? You know, I scratched your back, so now you've got to scratch mine. I put some credits into your account, you put some credits into my account. I put a marker into you, I want to get a marker back. I think you know what I'm saying. So we want to make sure that benevolent is not a dangerous, wonderful gift and character. It's something that's wonderful. Number five. What is at least one benefit from being benevolent? I just want to talk about this for a moment because we've already touched on it, and that is that many believed in the Lord. And I would hope that if there was any reason to be benevolent, it's for people to somehow see how the Lord is wrapped up in that benevolent gift. So if someone that, to whom you are benevolent, now listen to this, folks. If you really mean this, not just words, a script I'm giving you, but if you are benevolent to someone, and I hope that you are, and there's a person out there who's received from you, and they say, oh, you're so good, thank you so much for this, the first thing you want to do is to say thank you, because they gave you a compliment, they expressed their appreciation. But after you do, why don't you for the moment become a Teflon Christian? You know what Teflon is. Teflon is, kind of slides right off, all right? So when you get that compliment, because you were benevolent, you did an act of benevolence, when that happens your way, reflect that back to the Lord and say, the Lord has given me many things. And depending on the person, the time, how you can craft this based on your personality and the setting, you might then quickly spin it to, you know, I've got a lot of gifts myself, but the greatest gift I ever got from my benevolent God was the gift of eternal life found in Jesus Christ. So you can flip that benevolent praise that came to you, thank them for it because they did give it to you and you did what was right, so you do, in a sense, deserve that. But at the same time, you don't deserve all of that. So give it back to the Lord and you praise Him for that. There's a verse in Romans chapter 8 that is not on the screen and I'll read it to you, but if you want to write down the address, this would be a good one for you to memorize. It's Romans 8.32 and it says this, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with, a, with him also freely give us all things? So in other words, he looked upon fallen man, he gave his son on the cross, his son on the cross gave his life, and he says, not only have I done that for you all so you could have eternal life, with me comes all things to bless you now and forever. 
So there's a benevolent God in the benevolence of His Son for people who are unworthy of that benevolence all wrapped up in salvation. So for just a moment, folks, since most of you, probably all of you know Christ as Savior, there are those who listen to this tape who don't, whom I hope you'll pass this to. And if you're listening right now and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to thank the Lord for every good gift that God has given to us. But there's no greater gift than the free gift of eternal life. Where God said to us who were, watch this, so desperately needy. We're not only needy because we're lost. We're needy because there's nothing we can do to get saved by our good works. We're so lost, we can't save ourselves. That's how needy we are. Perhaps just like those widows who were so needy who could not get clothes for themselves. But eternal life is far more valuable than any clothes. I'd rather die naked and have eternal life than die fully clothed and go to hell. So going back to this, we are so needy and God said, I love you, I'll show no favoritism. I will give my son for you on the cross. But all you need to do is to receive that by faith. Don't try to pay me for eternal life. It's too expensive. You can't afford it. Don't tip me. I don't want a tip from you. You'll only hurt me. He says, the only thing you can do that will please me is to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because faith is what pleases me. I hope you do that, my friend. If not, then you might know a little bit about what God might feel if you in your love for someone else, benevolently gave something that someone else needed and they rejected it. They didn't want it. Or re-gifted it. You know how you'd feel if that happened to you. Especially if it was something that cost you a great deal. Something that really meant a lot to you. Nothing cost God more than His Son. Nothing means more to God than His Son. And He gave His Son for you and me. All we had to do was trust Christ. Now in that same vein, I'd like to spin this around for just a moment. There are some of us in here that are a little different. We're this way. We're around people, in this church especially, around people who are so benevolent toward us. They will give us gifts. They'll come by our house. They'll sweat equity into our life. They'll do everything they can do to help us. But at the same time, we say, no, 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 no. We don't, oh no, thank you, but that's okay, that's okay. I don't need any, blah, 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 blah. I know that you think you're being humble. But in a culture in our island, you're offensive when you do that often. Especially to people who want to give you. So they get hurt, they get offended, and they have to wrestle with the Lord and say, Lord, now I know a little bit about what it's like when you gave a gift and people didn't want it. So I can identify with you, but it doesn't hurt God any less when we reject Him, nor will it hurt us any less when people reject our act of benevolence to them. So if we're on this side of it and somebody wants to do something for you, time, talent, or treasure, the greatest thing you can do is to step up and say, wait a minute, God could have led that person to do or give that to me. God wants me to have this. Rejecting that from that person is rejecting God. And I won't do that. Plus, rejecting that is hindering that person from possibly getting a blessing. I'm not so sure I agree with that. Because if you want to give and a person doesn't want to receive, God's not going to cheat you out of a blessing because your heart was right. He's not going to cheat you because someone else did something wrong. But on the other hand, I hope that we'd be willing to receive. Well, with that in mind, here are some action steps for you. 
Ask yourself the following questions as I wrote these and had to ask myself. Question number one was, do I promptly give to the Lord the first fruits? That means the first things that come my way of how he has blessed me. Do I look at everything he's given to me and immediately say, Lord, how can I use this for you? How can I give some of this away? Do I ask myself that? Because you gave it to me, how can I give the first away? Do I give the best or what I can't use anymore? That's my once a year garage cleaning time. Got to get the stuff off the lanai. Let's get it out of here. Don't want to have a garage sale. Or do I give the best? Now, I don't want to say giving stuff and offloading stuff that you've had a long time is bad. Yes, call the agencies. It'll take it. If people in the church need it, give it to them. Sell it if you want in your own garage sale. But don't only be known for that. I think we need to remember that God didn't give us a beat-up old son who didn't really care about anything. He didn't give some ragamuffin human he gave his only son on the cross the best that he had. Next, do I give a genu- do I give to a genuine need unexpectedly? Or do I have to wait for someone to ask? Do I give it unexpectedly? Many of you know that I've been immersing immersing immer- immersing myself in the life of Hudson Taylor. I came across a little known story that was put in there by the biographers that they got from a letter from someone who knew Hudson Taylor. And here's what they said. Hudson Taylor had a gentleman on his staff that was working for him because all the missionaries worked underneath China Inland Mission, but all of it, all their money came from the China Inland Mission and Hudson Taylor was the head of it. And Hudson Taylor knew that this man needed exercise. All it said is that he needed exercise. I don't know why, but he needed exercise. But the man wasn't doing the exercising. And Hudson Taylor, being a doctor, knew that that's going to hurt this man if he doesn't get exercise, like we all need exercise. And so what he thought was, I know what would get this guy to exercise. So he went out and Hudson Taylor bought Hudson Taylor a horse. With a little bit of money he had, he found a horse and he walked that horse from a distant city, brought this horse over to this man and said, this is my horse, but I don't have time to exercise it. Would you do me a favor and just walk this horse around and exercise him for me and make sure that he's fed okay because I don't t- t- I cannot do that. And this man's eyes lit up and, you know, it's like a, a little kid getting a pony. Yeah, for me, yeah, t- sure. He wanted to honor Hudson Taylor as all staff honors their, their boss. I, what is this? You want me? I'll do that for you, whatever you need. If that helps you, I'll take care of this horse. Later, in the same chapter, it was now written this way. The question was asked, did Hudson Taylor ever ride that horse? The man who received that horse responded back in a letter and said this, Hudson Taylor never rode that horse, never walked that horse. The only thing Hudson Taylor did was to provide the finest of hay and oats and every health need that that horse had. And that staff member of Hudson Taylor had that horse till the day that that horse finally expired. And to me, I was thinking, that's an example of this right here. Do I give something unexpectedly, just like that staff member got that horse, something that they could need? Next, have I given an expensive gift that I could have used or been saving to purchase for myself? Ask yourself that question. And finally, in this point, am I modeling and teaching benevolence to my kids in that order? Do my kids see me do random acts of benevolence to people that have a need? Do they see me do that? And then am I teaching them to do that? Now, I'm not going to take the rest of that application further. You have it in your notes. But now I've given you some things that you as a family can do for your family by teaching them that. Now, those are some. Come up with your own. It's just to help you out. Well, today, folks, 
and I hope you see the smile on my face. I feel a little uncomfortable giving you guys this message because you're so benevolent already. And I'm thinking, I hope I didn't waste my time. But on the other hand, the Holy Spirit led me to give this message. And I have to believe that God wants to take us to another level. I think He wants for some of us to have a breakthrough. He wants our church to be even more benevolent in ways we haven't even thought of. And the best way to do that is to receive the benevolent one, Jesus Christ, in our heart by faith alone and then let that benevolence of Christ ring out to those around us. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, as I will do as frequently as I can, I want to give you an opportunity to trust Christ as Savior. For what good is a message like this if you live or try to live a benevolent life only to die and miss the benevolence of God in Christ on the cross? It would grieve God the most. So right now he says, I love you and I gave my son benevolently for you on the cross. And he says, all I ask in return is that you receive my benevolence by placing your faith alone in Christ. Would you do that, my friend? It doesn't matter what your background is, what your religion is. It doesn't matter how your lifestyle has been, even in the area of benevolence. What does matter is that you're willing to admit that you cannot get to heaven, that you are a needy person, so needy that you can't get rid of the need yourself. Only Christ can. And so you come to Him like a drowning person holding your hand up to God and say, Lord, I'm trusting in You as my lifesaver so I can have eternal life. I'm receiving that gift of life-saving from You. I pray that you'll do that. Is there anyone in here that would simply say, Lord, I'm trusting in you to give me eternal life and you alone. And now you'd like for me to pray for you. We're not going to have you come forward. won't have you stand up. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're trusting Christ. And when I see that, I'm really going to say, God bless you, but I won't embarrass you. I just want to know if you trusted Christ today in here. You took God in his word. You received his benevolence in the form of Christ on the cross and the beautiful resurrection. Is there anyone in here today that silently, with that hand, would be saying to me now, Pastor, pray for me. I trusted Christ. I received His benevolence today. Would you slip up your hand? Anyone at all? All right, Christians. I want to end with this. You know, if Christ lives in us, the hope of glory, and He's the benevolent one, and His greatest benevolent act was on the cross of Calvary, and I was wondering if that benevolence of Christ that lives within us would cause us now to demonstrate the benevolent spirit of communicating that same benevolence of God to those who don't know Christ. So here's my question to you. When was the last time that you carefully and compassionately, clearly gave the correct plan of salvation to someone? I mean, really gave them the gospel? When was the last time that you went back to people to invite them to church to hear the gospel over and over again? Is there more you can do in your act of benevolence? The greatest benevolent act you can do is to give something away that costs you nothing, which is the salvation found in Christ. 
Well, some of you might say, but, but pastor, I want to, but I'm scared. Well, let me tell you this. Two weeks from today, the third character trait is going to be on courage. We're going to talk about that. So let's be busy about our Father's business of benevolence this week. And let's do it with a joyful heart, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for such a wonderful faith family. But Lord, I know that we all can do more. And so Lord, as you lay upon our heart, people that have needs, you bring them across our path. Help us to be more benevolent with them. Help us to have that generous spirit. But at the same time, a receiving spirit from those who want to be benevolent back to us. But let us never forget the greatest act of benevolence can never, of giving the gospel, can never be replaced by merely doing good deeds to make that person a happier person only to go to hell. So help us, Father, to be faithful with the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.